Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each fortnight, Mick will unpack rock and roll stories. Stories that you probably won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. And we're off and running. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Rocks Off uh, with me, Mick Wall, and... My trusty companion, uh, constant companion, uh, dear friend. Close uh, personal friend. Close personal friend, business associate. <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 accomplice in ritual, uh, John Hotton. Yes. Now, you are yeah. there, right? I'm, I'm down this end, far end of the table today. You are. You it's a slight at... switch around in the studio, but I'm glad to say the heavy metal pug is at my feet. <laughs> Coco the heavy metal pipe. Yeah, we've had, uh, I think maybe if you just come in just a little bit. Just a little bit closer to the microphone. My microphone um, technique. Yes. Um, uh, yes, we've had requests. Yeah. The, the Judas Priest episode, uh, we had the snoring pug in the room. He's back because if we don't, he stands outside yelping. Uh, his name's Coco and... Um, uh, so let's just get that out yeah, that, of the way. Yeah, if you hear it, that's what it is. If you hear snoring, yeah. it's not me. <laughs> it could not be always it. me. It could be. It, it. could be me. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably isn't. Right. So um, today we have decided we're going to talk about uh, in, in rock music and, and met, uh, any form of music, I guess, but particularly rock music, being on the road, being on tour, you know, that's where it it's all goes on. It's the thing. It's that, the thing. It's the one thing when you're kind of, you know, in you're at a party or something, people say to you, what do you do? You're doing those boring conversations. Oh, well, I've done this, I've done that. They always go to you, what's it like? What's it like on the road? Yeah, And I, and, it, yeah. and in many ways, it's a really difficult question to answer because the, the only answer is, well, it depends on the band. Depends on reply, the band. I just say, listen. If I could fucking remember, it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be a good trip, would it? Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be quite a short podcast today, obviously, <laughs> given that it's about what it's like to be on the road. As a kid, before I ever went on the road, yeah, that was my fantasy. You know, you'd read about these rock stars that have been on the road for a year or something. I mean, when I was a kid, if they went on the road for six months, that was considered, you know, a really long tour. Yeah. Um, and then they'd have to have three months off after nervous exhaustion. Or yeah. you'd read in the music paper, they had a well-deserved rest. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I used to think, wow, three months off because you, you had to go touring. Surely touring is like being on holiday all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's what yeah. you think, isn't it? It, it is. It is. Uh, and, and it can be like that if you're if you're parachuting in as a journalist or a record company person or you're just there for way, a few days. Seems a like of... fun. Hey, lads, we're here. What should we do now? <laughs> But once you've done it for about eight weeks, yeah. you, you never... The grind want, sets in. Never want it to is, it, it is Groundhog Day. And but, especially, I think, I think the experience changes the heart... The, sort of the, 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 the more accomplished and the more successful the band become. Yeah. Because once they become incredibly successful, once they're on the sort of stadium route, for example, everything has to run like absolute clockwork. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. 
And so it just became, it's like you might as well be in the army as be on the road. It's true. I did, um, we'll start at the beginning, but you just saying that. Last year, I did a, a book tour with Francis Rossi, the singer of Stages. Yeah. I Club. mean, talking of stadiums, folks, <laughs> <laughs> did you see it at Wembley or, or did you see it at Hampden Park? Uh, no, we were doing uh, arts centres <laughs> and seaside venues. Yeah. It was what they call the where all the Where all the old people are. Listen. The uh, secondary quite, circuit, yeah. The, that's called the secondary yeah, circuit, right? Yeah, the, the OAP circuit. Go, no, God yeah. bless you. No, 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 yes. Um, no, because it was a book tour, so it's not status quo. It's no, Francis there's Kirk. no one there to hear stories about status quo. No, no. They want to talk are. about literature. <laughs> well, we did 36 shows yeah. over seven weeks, <laughs> five shows a yeah, week. Yeah, that, that's a schedule for and, you. And we're, I say we're all of us, there's four of us in total. So Francis. Francis, yeah. There's PA. Yeah. Who's called? Lianne. Yeah. Uh, Tonto, the production manager, basically. <laughs> Who's, he's yeah. never been a roadie, has he? Tonto. <laughs> <laughs> and me. And we're on the luxury tour bus. You, you, you can actually tell what era Tonto became a roadie, <laughs> roadie in by his nickname, by his non-PC nickname. <laughs> oh, dear. I'd love to get Tonto together with, with Ross, my favourite photographer. Yeah. They're very similar. <laughs> Ross has a great love for all forms of authority on the road. Yeah, Tonto does as well. I remember we'd walk into a venue with him and they said, have you got your pass? He goes, my face is my pass. <laughs> and he's a really fierce looking guy. Yeah, he's like, you're right, mate. They're yeah, dudes. he's let him in. But anyway. And the, the fourth, we're, the we're fourth person, a... there's, there's Tonto. Oh, no, oh yeah, you, yeah, you're the fourth. So the fourth wheel. The... Uh... You what? Second what, banana, if you know. Yeah. What's the what's the vehicle that's transporting it's you? A, literally, the top line you can get. I think they're called nightline buses. I'm right, probably yeah. got that wrong, but straight after us, the spy. It was going to be Emma Bunton's bus. Oh, okay, because yeah. all the Spice Girls get a bus each. Yeah, because they're all bitches that hate yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, and then and then when we we picked it up this year, we only got did four shows this year. Emma Bunton would have been delighted to. Hopefully, she took it over on the day that you left it. I tell you what, straight we <laughs> straight in, spotless. Oh, was it really? Yeah, okay. No drinking, spotless. Uh, sounds like a fun tour. Seven weeks, and it was a fun tour until about the last week or so, where everybody just you can't even explain it it's not like say we're on the road and you've done something that's really pissed me off it it, it is that old cliche about he left the top off the toothpaste yeah. or something he yeah. left the tea bag out or yeah. know, whatever it is it'll be something that literally does not matter yeah. in any normal world but by week six or seven on the tour bus it, it will actually turn into a blood feud and that very final night Literally, we're in this venue we were in. I had to, we were doing a, he was doing a meet and greet afterwards, book signing. And in this particular venue, we had to go down the back of the stage and down some steps into the lobby. And, um, and literally, as I was coming down the steps, he was stood there waiting for me. And this is the 36th night, you know. <laughs> and as I'm coming down, he goes to me, if you don't want to fucking do this with any, me anymore, you can fuck off. You know? I'm like, why would you fucking say that to yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. 
what, what do you mean? Yeah. And we're like, then we get pushed to the door, and there's all the people. Like, oh, yeah. Hi, oh, hi, yeah, yeah it's all going great. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah. said to me, um, that same like, so are you just a really old friend of Francis that comes along and does this? And I said, no, no, I'm a, yeah. I'm a writer and blah blah. Oh, I thought maybe you know because the two of you got such great chemistry that maybe you're just really old friends yeah. and we're looking at each other like yeah, hey, want to kill each other. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that might be my last ever show, but time heals. Um, uh, but and of course, of course, Francis is no stranger himself to this state of mind because he's been on the road since he was what twenty years old, maybe younger. You know, he knows. Well, he was at school when Status Quo—they weren't called Status Quo—but when they yeah. first started gigging, yeah. And then their first professional be away from home thing was when they got the gig at Butlins, yeah, at Minehead. Yeah, and I think he he turned sixteen the day they arrived at Butlins. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Um, so in his case, and he's 71 now, when I was researching the book I did with him. Here they go. <laughs> Here they go. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs in? Hang on. Shut up. Coco. Coco. Come here. Good boy. Um, when I was researching I think his book, problem is he's got a girl's name. <laughs> But he's a boy. It's provoked a severe identity crisis. John, you tell an on-the-road story while I... Um, yeah. Well, well, no, no, well, let me tell you. I did, I what did, was the first this, time you this, ever went on the road? This wasn't a full on-the-road story, but talking of Minehead at Butlins, I did the trip, the road trip to Butlins when Quo did their anniversary. And uh, it was, I don't know, God, thinking about maybe 30 years since they'd met. It was, I mean, it's... That itself was probably almost 20, 25, 30, 50 years ago, whenever it was. I think that's all you're talking about. That was the 25th anniversary. Yeah, it it was. And they they put on the Quo Express that took us to Minehead in Buttons. It was a train that left from Euston Station or somewhere. And it was just, you know, champagne breakfast all the way. uh, Go to Butlins at Minehead, stay in a chalet watch the quo in the ballroom where they had first done their thing, you know, and, and they did and, their thing and, again. And these days, every two years at Butlins in Minehead, Butlins is a holiday camp for those yeah. around the world that don't know yeah. what it is. You're working man's holiday. Yeah. No frills. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, uh, they have the status quo fan convention there every two years. Do they? It goes yeah. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. And guess who your genial host is? <laughs> it's not. It's I am Mick your genial. It's Mick Wall. Yeah. People go, are you the Mick Wall? No, no, I'm the other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that guy. <laughs> no. Yeah. But why did Axel? I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to let the heavy metal pug in, John? You're, you're let nervous. him back in again. Well, I think he'll. Sh- he won't shut up if we don't let him in. He might shut up if we let him in. It's the other hounds of hell that. Set him off. Yeah. So, uh, I hope you're enjoying this. Where you're listening <laughs> yeah. To We're coming to you live from the kennels <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah. So, that, that was your mo- most recent experience of being on the road. Mm. You go into sort of saying first trips on the road. I think because the nature of the job of being a journalist, when you first turn up to any magazine, when you're first employed, you are the most junior member by sort of dint of 
um, yeah, the fact you've just started and they've given you probably given you a couple of albums to review, a couple of gigs to review, and you've done okay, and you've had a paycheck, and you're sort of starting to think, oh, maybe I am Hunter Thompson after all. <laughs> and then they and go, go, have you ever heard of the Jelly Beans? Yeah, you go, who the fuck? You go, yeah. Cause they, would you like cause to it, go away yeah, with them for that, five it. days? As a freelancer, the minute you hear the words, would you like to, the yes is out of your mouth before they've even finished the question. If you're a proper freelancer, when yeah. I was the editor of Classic Rock magazine, the thing that used to send me mental was I would ring someone, a promising young writer. Yeah. I think we'll give him something. And I'd say, uh, I can't think of a good example, but, uh, oh, yeah, does the name status quo mean anything? And they go, yeah. not really. <laughs> and I go, well, I was thinking of maybe you could do a story. I don't really know much about them. I'm like, fucking yeah. wake yeah. up. Yeah. What, the answer is yes. Yes, yeah. Would you, you like to do a story? I've written about yes. hundreds of bands I've never even heard of. The, the name comes down the phone. You just go, yes. Exactly. I remember someone, I remember Jeff Barton said to me, do you want to go and interview the gay bikers on acid? I just said, yes. I'd have no idea who and, they were. And that was when you found out it wasn't actually yeah, a band. It, it wasn't even It a was band. just some gay bikers <laughs> yeah, on acid. I, yeah, and I, yeah. And that was a turning point. They lived, in a, they lived in a tower block. It was hideous, my <laughs> God. But were they on acid? I were think they, they probably gay? were. were I there think they bikes probably, the, singer was, the singer was a bloke, but his name was Mary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was okay. one of those. You know, they were being ironic or something, I think. I don't know. I never They're got, on acid. I never got to the bottom of it, Mick. Uh -huh. I've got to say. Hey. I just did my story and buggered off. So, but, but anyway, so the nature is that you might be sent on the road, but you'll be sent on the road but with a, you know, a young band, and it's probably their first or second tour, and they're in the they're in the transit van yes. and they're delighted to be in the transit van and they're delighted to be in the local, you know, well, sometimes they go, I've done tours where they go and stay with fans that night because they had nowhere to stay. Oh the first, other, well, you I have been on some tragic well, tours, that, haven't you? I'll tell you what that they was. I'm pretty sure. I'm like pretty sure. If you remember, at the, no, no, no. It was at the, it was at the sort of, Fag end of probably eighty seven. At and the end of the I, I'll tell you who it was. It was the Choir Boys and Wolfsbane went on tour a together. Double header. They did a double header when they were both just about to sort of hot young things. Yeah, they were hot young things. I don't know if they even had record deals at that point, but they were certainly being written about. They certainly don't anymore. They were. <laughs> they went on tour together. And I went with them. And that that was... Uh, was that your first tour? It was my first cover story for Kerrang! Because Blaze and Spike were on the cover. I Blaze remember that. Blaze the singer of all Blaze the singer of all Spike, Spike the singer of the choir, choir boys. boys. And the choir boys definitely were just dossing down at people's houses, you know. Yeah. But then I think they still do. <laughs> Probably. No, I'm kidding. No, but, but, but was that your first, I thought, as I'm it were, pretty sure that was my first on the road. And we went somewhere like, you know... It would have been Leicester and you know, Wolverhampton and then... Towns you know, rightly yeah. locked down at the yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the middle, you know, the kind of heavy metal Midlands or somewhere like that. You know, it was just, it was just that. But it was great because it was, you know, it was fulfilling that dream of what would it be like? What happens after the gig, you know? And, and what did... Because usually you just go What did happen home. after... Did you, A, A... Did you have any sex? And B, yeah. did you take any drugs? Uh, no and no. <laughs> I think I, the, this first one, I was so terrified of missing something. Because you think, oh my, you know, you read all these great road stories and you go, oh, you know, 
Axel got into a fight with Vince because we went to this club and they got their knives out. And you think, well, I've got to be ready. I've got to be ready for when this happens, you know. Uh, but really, I expect, in, I expect in reality, I don't remember anything about it. I expect in reality, it was just Blaze getting, and, and Steve Danger, who's the, the drummer in Wolfsbane, rightly named, aptly named Steve Danger. Has there ever been a better name no. for a drummer? No. Steve no. Danger. So he probably nicked a car or something, you know, who knows what people did. did. Probably an Austin yeah. Metro. Yeah, so, I did, so that was my first sort of, first sort of one. Should I tell you about my first Yeah, I think you should. Trip. Yeah. Um, it was in a transit van, and it was with a group called the Lurkers. Yeah, and the Lurkers. Yeah. Are they sort of punk type thing. I'm thinking totally punk. Yeah, yeah. Um, GBH uh, sprung into my mind. It's where GBH and the Lurkers. That'll be some sort of double bill well, or maybe, something. Was it? I don't maybe. Know. I don't know why I thought that. But um, well, the Lurkers are kind of like a poor man's English Ramones. <laughs> In the sense that the Ramones would be... A poor man's Ramones, who yeah. themselves were A poor, poor man, just a poor man's just poor, poor men. man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Potless. the Ramones would be um, one, two, three, four... Lurkers would be one, two, three, four... They were really good. They had one song called Shadow. Shadow, 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 Shadow... I don't want to go in the shadow. I don't want to go in the shadow. Yeah. All together now. Shadow. <laughs> I don't know shadow. The words. I can't join in. That was that was their big hit. Um, <laughs> uh, that was their first single, and it got single of the week in sounds or something. Anyway, they they were weirdly, and this is purely coincidence. They were the very first group that I ever reviewed that the review was published. And the singer's spiked, name... Spiked, all your first... All oh, his oh, first 27 oh, efforts yeah. were oh, spiked. Yeah, yeah, about a year. I mean, I, I'd given <laughs> up, and then they finally published one. But the singer's name was Howard Wall. W-A-L-L. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, People just thought you were... You know, nepotism. They had, the article, nepotism. They, had to, they had to keep putting... It was like Mick Wall in brackets. No, no relation. relation. <laughs> Which I thought really kind of ruined my first ever feature yeah. byline. But yeah. it was a very glamorous trip. It was a Sunday uh, in 1978. And the Lurkers were from West London, which is where I was. And um, it was a, a gig they were doing in Bradford in a pub. Yeah. On a Sunday. <laughs> In big, 1978. Yeah. Big turnout. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could... A Sunday now is still... It's a Sunday. But in 1978... Sunday was Sunday. That was fucking Sunday. Yeah, you think lockdown's yeah. bad. <laughs> Try a Sunday Sun, yeah. in 1978. Yeah. In a transit van, having to sort of sit on some of the equipment yeah. for about five hours doing 55 miles an hour up my Literally about five hours. We get there. And all, you've run out of your jokes and your bonhomie yeah. by then. You're just sick of everything. You've only just got there. But I remember, I can't remember the name of the pub, but true to form, it was in the middle of Bradford, which was uh, closed. Yeah. Was that you or the <laughs> That was both of us together. <laughs> and I, I can't remember the name of the venue, but it was a pub. And the landlord was, he came out and introduced, he goes, Hello, lads. <laughs> My name's Malcolm Fairplay. I'm Fairplay by name, Fairplay uh. by nature. And he pulls out a crate of beer. And he goes, there you go, lads. Right? So um, I had a crate of beer. 
uh, and 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 Malcolm's wife was also on the scene. Oh yeah, and she was fair play by name, fair play <laughs> by nature as well. And I think at least two of the bands shagged her. <laughs> but here was the most glamorous bit: was we had they were to only sleep. there for a couple of hours. The dressing room was the toilet, yeah, and we had to sleep on the floor of the venue. <laughs> Which in those days where literally everyone smoked at least two yeah. cigarettes at once, the floor of any pub, oh. it was like sleeping in an ashtray. Yeah. Except in those days you were sleeping in an ashtray while smoking a cigarette, <laughs> you know, while two of the band were double teaming the landlord's drunk wife. Um, it was a magnificent occasion. Still all 12 talked of about. the audience. There was, I counted, there was 12 people there. Yeah. Um, Shadow, yeah. shadow, and um, uh, and then the next day we had to get in the transit and drive on a Monday morning, drive back oh, to London, yeah. and it was brutal. Yeah, was absolutely. No, none of us had any money. There's no PR or tour manager. Just me and the band. Oh, the, that was you that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shut up. That's the pug. Yeah, it's the pug. It is. I'm the sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, I will chuck him out in a minute. Um, so that was my first trip. And and it, it didn't put me off for life, but it could have done. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally just thought, this is awful. This, <laughs> this is insane. Do it's those ones where there's no one there. I remember doing one with uh, the great Lisa Dominique, the, uh, the chanteuse. Who you once or twice the before. The Kerrang Lady Killer with a KKK. Uh do you say Sean, Sean Tuse? Yeah, Sean Tuse. Wait, I remember being a, that bad. Um, and yeah, she had a band, and in the band was her, her equally famous brother, Marino, the guitar player. Yes, he yes. He was the guitar player in the band, and Lisa was the singer and the main attraction, as it were, because she was, you know, a very beautiful She was a fair woman. maiden. A fair maiden, a fair not maiden. unlike the landlady's, landlord's wife, yes. Malcolm Fairplay's a, wife. A future but a, Mrs. A, Fairplay. <laughs> A better version of that, and we went to, we went to Blackpool and Morecambe, I think, on tour. Wow! And Blackpool is one of the yeah. Known and Lisa of the was, you know, I universe. mean, she was a, you know, they get sort of like sixty or seventy people, maybe that would be the size of the crowd, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Which was, you know, not bad. Yeah, you could. You, you start thinking, yeah, off. you start thinking, well, that's not bad. Do you start thinking this is not bad? There's like fifty people. Yeah. This is not bad. Yeah, and. It, we went to Morecambe and the night before had been the Jim Bowen Bullseye Roadshow, which we was, should explain. You know, we should explain, we should explain what Jim that Bowen is. Isn't... Jim Bowen was a game show host in England, known for it. I mean, he's a bit like Malcolm Fairplay again. But was, if, if Malcolm, 70s, if Malcolm Fairplay had made it to the TV, made it to the top, he made it to the like top. Jim Bowen. He would have been like Jim Bowen with his wisecracks, like you a know. northerner in a bow tie, bow tie yeah. making mother-in-law gags. It, that's exactly what he was, and he had a game show that was on TV, and it was called Bullseye, and it was darts themed, the great <laughs> themed around the great was. pub dartboard. Right. So if you threw a, I don't know what it was. If you threw a seven, you won a car. And if you threw it, whatever it was, you know, some crazy stupid. No, it was a speedboat. Wasn't it? That was the big joke. Just look boat. at what you could. It's some couple of blokes from a council house in Wigan. You've won a speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> You've won a speedboat, lads. Great, you know. Yeah. What should I do with that? Park that on there. Yeah. Park, on I'll, I'll park that. I'll park house. that on my jetty. Should I? Yeah. <laughs> 
go around the local duck pond on it. But so, but uh, the the show became so popular. Actually, Jim had a road show. You know, and you go to like seaside towns. You were talking about seaside towns with Francis Rose. You seaside towns with Jim Bowen, and they had all this scenery. It was what the paint. The bullseye had a, a sort of a mascot called Bully. He was a, a cartoon bull. Believe it or not, you know far it's, too much. About well, only because I saw the bloody. <laughs> Bullseye Roadshow. And backstage was all... The, the roadies are going in to put Lisa's stuff up and they're shifting the 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 station, the, the big cutout of bull, Bully, you know, moving him out the way. <laughs> and they're moving... Like Jim Bowen's Bully. chalked up on the on the dartboard. There's all these chalk score marks. Like Roadshow. Yeah, and you think, this is this really isn't, you know, what I said. But the, the strange thing was, was I wrote the story... Came up, we don't we've messed about, you know, done the usual stuff. Wrote the story, and I went on for some some for some reason. <laughs> I immediately had to go on holiday after doing that story. Me and my then girlfriend went to Greece, and I sort of forgot all about it. It's lovely two weeks in Greece in the sun. Yeah, that's a proper Fancy. holiday. None of your Fancy. none of your kind of rubbishy Morecambe Bay or whatever it was. Where else we just been? came back, and the story had come out, and for some reason, it had all the uh, funny story and all this stuff had happened and everyone was going crazy about the stories oh you know go back on the road again and so lisa and marino were just about to go to spain with saxon so you went on on the road so, with them again. yeah so we went on the road you again basically we went, spent we, your whole uh, career uh, yeah, going on the road with lisa, lisa but this this trip to uh to spain with saxon was do you know you talk about those the steps up uh-huh. all of a sudden they're supporting saxon and saxon were they were probably on a slight downswing, it has to be said, from their glory days of the new wave of British heaven. But they're still filling, you know, thousand yeah. thousand seat yeah. venues or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, Arriba. yeah, so we went, so we go on the road beef, to go, yeah, yeah. I can't do a Spanish. No, so we starting, yeah. Mister Mister Byford. Yeah, that's what I was like, Mister. Would you like this? You know, he's the Biff. He's he's not what you call a you know a, a ray of sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> If you think of a ray of sunshine, if you think of That's not Malcolm Biff. Fairplay, that that definitely isn't Biff. Right? No, no, he, Biff is more sort of Malcolm. It's not Fairplay. Yeah, yeah. It's not fair. This is, you know, life isn't going as I want it to go. Sorry to sidetrack. I know go we don't. On. No, usually, no, no. We should. We should. We don't usually sidetrack. Yeah. But um, I heard a few years ago, and I, could, I was racking my brains. Uh, someone told me that uh, Biff told them. Um, how Mick Wall? Uh, what did he say? Mick Wall's always had it in for them, or he hates. Oh Mick yeah, Wall. he does. He yeah. hates you. Yeah, but why? Yeah. why I always not? loved me a bit of Saxon. Yeah, yeah. Seven four seven coming down in the night. <laughs> for God's sake, get the ground lights on. One of heavy metals. For God's sake, get the ground lights on. See, that's why Biff Byford hates you. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, the tone you sung that in that. But I used, mocking. Love, I used to love stallions of the highway. See, this is why he hates you, because you say it in that voice. What voice? The stallions of the because highway. Because that's how he sings it. It goes, <laughs> it goes stallions of the highway. <laughs> he does. He does. Well, it's in the same way that you said last week, which was very true, that Judas Priest's only subject is heavy metal. Well, that, so is Biff Byford's, essentially. And it's just finding a lots and lots of ways of representing heavy metal. Stallions of the Highway, Wheels of Steel, Crusader, 747, 
Dallas 1 p.m. What is it? Dallas 1 p.m. Dallas 1 p.m. Yeah, I love dun, that. Dun, dun, Where's dun. he from in Texas? <laughs> There's that great story. I don't know if it was Jeff used to tell it. Or I, I, said, can I just say Saxon are a fucking great they're man. They're a great man. But days. Biff, the Barnsley Big Teasers, as they were known. <laughs> and Biff still lived in Barnsley. And there was this story, I'm sure it was Jeff used to tell it, that he had his gold discs in the window of his front room, which looked out onto the street, you know. <laughs> so people go, oh, you know who no, lives You there. know lives there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biff, Singer of Saxon. Biff, is it Bifford, Byford? Bif- I always said Byford, but I think he said Bifford, but I... Well, it worked, it was a bit, Biff, yeah, Bifford. Biff, Bifford. Biff, Bifford. Otherwise made more Bif, Bif, Bifford, <laughs> Is it Bife? Bife and his wife. Actually, that was the one great, uh, the greatest picture uh, that we in the Kerrang photo like back in the day before electronic photos magazines used to actually have to have a photo library so it was a room at the Go back of the office I know it used to be yeah. in there every week researching so, yeah so you <laughs> researching bar. yeah so you you get and like every time the photos did a session they'd leave some of the pictures in the in the photo library in the relevant file and in the Saxon file was the glorious picture of Biff Byford Watching, holding a cup of tea because tea was They're his drink, wasn't it? He was a big yeah. tea drink. Biff Byford holding a cup of tea while his wife washed his car. <laughs> Even better than that, she had a broken arm. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I knew that yeah. man. Respect. What a man. What so, a guy. So we're in Spain with Biff and uh, Lisa and Marino. Right. Lisa's husband, who was also our manager, who never let on... Lisa never let on that he was her husband because all of these, all of the fans had to believe that Lisa was right. available, right. you know. And uh, and Which B- Billy and uh, and the the bassist and drummer Billy and Mark Colk, who were these brothers from Liverpool. Billy that is and, and they're always nicking. They, they, <laughs> they're a couple of scully scouts. Billy is now making a fortune in the the prime the number one led zeppelin tribute band and he's robert plant he's no got way. yeah he's got the long hair and he's a i mean i never knew this at the time he's just playing bass for for lisa but he's a great singer what's way better than lisa what's the name, you know what's the name of the... they're called they're called something i can't remember they're called like the led zeppelin experience or something like no, that, that I can't that's jason bonham's group, I, well, I don't know what they're called they're, well, they're called something with led zeppelin if you want to know just look it up just look it up if you so it oh well shall i give billy a ring and see if i can come <laughs> and see the show is that what you've got excited about i need you, you to get... conjure up for me a wonderful anecdote about one of the, the glamorous tours you did yeah, okay. okay. Well, I'm going to, I'll tell you. You while, tell me a yeah. story. While you're doing that. So we go to Spain with uh, Lisa, with Billy, with Marino, with Lisa's manager stroke husband, with Mark. And we do this tour and we're following Saxon around. And Saxon have got the big bus and we've got this little tiny bus, which is driven by a guy called Juan. And Juan was supposed to drive us from Barcelona to San Sebastian. And San Sebastian is at the other end of Spain to Barcelona. So basically we were trekking up through the whole middle of Spain. We were going to stop and play a gig in Madrid and then go on to San Sebastian. And in Barcelona, we have a tremendous time. It's a beautiful city. It's great. We're going out. We're living the life. We're part of the culture. And Lisa was the only person who said... I don't I don't want to eat the local food. I don't want to have the local drink. I'm just going to stick to English stuff. So everywhere we went, she had to have 
chips and beans or whatever it was, you know, whatever the local uh, restaurant could dredge up in English fashion. So she's eating the English food. We're all having the Spanish food. We get to Madrid, she starts to feel a bit iffy. By the time we get to San Sebastian, she's in a terrible state with food poisoning because she's she's insisted on eating English food. Is this Lisa? This is Lisa. So did you offer... He's back from uh, his... Did you yeah. offer some assistance? I, I, I really toilets. didn't because by, by, by the time we got to San Sebastian and it, it was that sort of end of tour, we'd had this horrible journey through the mountains being driven by Juan in his van. Juan. Every time we asked him how far it was to San Sebastian, he just laughed. He just went, ha, 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 As you're sort of tipping off the side of a mountain, you know. So we get to San Sebastian, get to the gig and Lisa, I mean, she was ill, ill by this point. And she... She's on uh, doing the first number, whatever it was. And I could see she was going to run off the stage to puke because we're at the side of the stage. She comes running off the side of the stage, reaches for the first glass of water that oh. she can find, which you shouldn't do no. because in it were Biff Byford's singing teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thinks this story might somehow have been confected over the years, but no, it's true. Biff actually, he had... Uh, f- some elements of false teeth whether they were all false I'm not entirely sure but he had a set of teeth that he sang with because they didn't have that sort of sibilant S you know if you're doing Strangers in the Night you don't want to whistle Stallions of the Highway <laughs> you don't want to go Stallions Stallions of the Highway that's what you do so Get she's going to puke up. She's Biff. going to, yeah, put your singing teeth in, Biff. That's what it was like. See, that, you know, that there's be Biff the with the teeth, and the, they, they had a guitarist the whose wig virtually revolved around his That's head. That's right, he used to have the, the wig. But so there's, is that where the rumour comes that Biff was going to do a solo album called Singing Teeth? <laughs> I, think, I think that probably made it into the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that Biff had singing teeth. That, that reminds me. Of an on-the-road story. I've got about very similar situations with Thunder. <laughs> and uh, uh, at the height of their Thunderness. Um, and uh, there was some, you know, party, record company thing. This is in Canada or America or somewhere anyway. And um, um, it's, it's one of those days when the record companies would really push the boat out. And it's all mm. beautiful. And because it's America, there's loads of beautiful women and beautiful men and, and, and us oiks from, you know, this country. And um, and and Harry, the drummer, Harry, Gary, Harry, James, all right, Mick? Yeah. Uh, the drummer, uh, he pulls this gorgeous girl. Wow. And next thing, she's about six foot two, he's about five foot six, you know, and they're, they're holding hands and off he goes. <laughs> Everybody's going, look at Harry, go on, Harry. <laughs> Hurry up, Harry, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's something that would happen to him every night, you know. Uh, not with Luke Morley in the group, who just was top birder, still is. Yeah, um, extraordinaire. Birder extraordinaire. Those, those skills never die. <laughs> <laughs> Once a birder. Always a birder, Always that's a what birder. I say. Well, we are living proof of yeah, that, uh, aren't that, we? Yeah. You know, all our lives we've had to suffer. Yeah. The the indignity of being surrounded by, by very attractive women. women that's yeah, right. Yeah. So um, so Ari goes off with this girl, and the next morning, 
he turns up and of course you know everybody's going you know but he, he looks genuinely a bit embarrassed yeah and uh, so he, he tells us that in the middle of the night because uh, you know everybody had had a few to drink <laughs> uh, he, he woke up in the middle of the night you know, really really thirsty you know that thing you get if you had too much to drink and no. you wake up now you wouldn't know because no. in your I'm uh, an athlete you finely are, tuned your body elite is an elite yeah, temple, temple. Yeah. yeah but anyway I believe you you get very thirsty apparently so so um, he wakes up in the night burning with thirst Nothing to drink, nothing to drink. And he runs into the toilet to get get the tap and he sees uh, a glass of water. <laughs> so he just grabs it and necks it and then uh, back to bed. Uh, gets up in the morning and the girl's sort of looking perturbed. She's hunting around. She goes, did, did you did you touch that glass of water that was in the... Bar? He went, yeah, thank God. You know, I mean, because yeah. I had my contact lenses in it. Oh, and he had swallowed her contact lenses yeah. and she absolutely fucking flipped out at him. Because well, she has to go well. straight to work. Yeah. Now she can't see. And how does she explain to the people at work the reason she's late is she spent the night with some rock musician she'd never Who's met drunk before. her contact lenses. Yeah. 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 Wow, and, yeah. And then for the rest of the tour, people would literally say about her, he's got eyes in the back of his eyes. <laughs> You can see you coming from both ways. <laughs> I've just remember when you were telling that story. I've just remembered, and it's I promise me the last thing I say about Lisa Dominique. Oh, for when fuck we, sake! We're, are you we still went, talking about Lisa? When we went, when no we went one to Morecambe, when we went to Morecambe, Morecambe. Guess, really guess, guess who turns? Guess who turns? No, no. Guess who turns? But, but, universe, but guess who turns up in Morecambe at the at the Bullseye Roadshow and the rest of it? John Waite, the uh, oh the, yeah, the, uh, the one guy hit from, wonder yeah yeah you know I ain't missing you at all missing you two hit wonder <gasps> actually because he then joined some super group who well, no, did three then because he was in the babies he was in the babies he had isn't the, it time yeah and then he had I ain't missing you at all that was his big hit missing you and then hit. he went into was it that was his greatest what was the name of that was it damn Yankee? no it wasn't damn Yankees was big, something no like that. and they no. had they had one big when I see you smile, that one. Yeah, I don't it was know a big that hit one. in America. No one knows big that hit one. in America. No. So John, but John, Wait, but John Waite came from Hull, which is where Lisa and Marino came from, right. uh, Kingst- Kingston upon Hull, and and John Waite rocks up at this gig, obviously thinking. I'm going to pull Lisa. He's got all the gear on. You mentioned like John White's a big star. I mean, he was a big so missing. He was a massive hit, as you say, and he's a. Uh, in 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 the terms of the fifty people in that room in Morecambe, he's considerably the most famous person. Apart from Jim Bowen, obviously. <laughs> Apart from Jim Bowen, who is represented by a cardboard cutout, but is nonetheless is there in spirit. <laughs> and Jim Bowen's not even there. He's not even there. He's a cardboard cutout. He's it's a, a road show. It's a road out. show. It's they, you know they. I love this. Yeah. Never mind three so, D so images. We Send get after the show. Cutout. John Waite, it's like a bloody Benny Hill sketch. John Waite's chasing Lisa <laughs> around the room. So she ends up pretending that I'm her boyfriend. Oh, how, <laughs> so, how unfortunate. So, yeah, so she's sitting on my lap. She ends oh, up sitting no. on my lap. Oh, how awful. And to, get, to get rid of John Waite, yeah. yeah oh, so John Waite slung his hook. And did you, uh, did you have to pretend to be her boyfriend? I, I stopped by... pretending immediately after. Because as I told you, I was going on holiday with my girlfriend the very next day. Yeah, but you know what they which say. Which I'm sure I did. You know what they say? Uh, what, what happens what? in Morecambe <laughs> stays <laughs> in Morecambe. <laughs> That's the, they had that slogan before Las Vegas. Okay, let, let, 
One last anyway, question. Is it, is it true, though? That, see, you wanted to stop talking about it, but now you no, want to talk about it. Is it true that to this day you have a cardboard cutout of <laughs> you Dominique mean? in your bedroom? I do. It's true, I do. Isn't and it? John Waite as well, just to remind me I of how Jim good it was. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so listen, listen, let's, yeah. let's, 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 let's return. Let's, let's rack it up. Let's firm. ramp it up. Let's get to the private yes, jets and yes, the good stuff. Yes, because... Um, Growing up for me in the 70s is when I would first buy music papers. And um, so you would read about things like, you know, I was 15 when Bowie gave his farewell speech. You know, that seemed a, a, to, to say we will never tour again. I, mean, yeah. I just thought this bloke is, is this is wrong. This does, I could not make any sense yeah. of that. But then... Um, You'd read about, like, say, Led Zeppelin, and they've got their own private plane. Mm. All the Stones, I think the Stones, all, all, all those huge groups did. Um, but you'd read that they would have, I mean, the Stones had, and, and Zeppelin, actually, but the Stones and Zeppelin had, it may have been the same guy, but had a, a doctor on the road. Right, yeah. And this is the early a rock, 70s. A rock and roll doctor. Well, it's not like now where you go, oh, he's got his, his nutritionist, yeah, his, his, his trainer, trainer yeah. his psychotherapist. Yeah. They've got a tour doctor. Yeah. And apparently what they used to do, the Zeppelin, they'd get on the private plane, the starship, and they'd all literally line up at the seat where the doctor <laughs> was and he would open his doctor, you know those old-fashioned doctor yeah, bags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And out would come the chick chick the pills and the ch -ch 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 -ch. we just take two of those yeah you'll, you'll be, be all gone right. for yeah. three days go on, yeah. um uh zeppelin used to also have uh one of the uh, there are many tour assistants not that snoring pug but um for when they'd snorted too much cocaine one of these beautiful assistants would get this a uh, little bit of snuff perfume snuff mm. which she would feed to them off her a bodily part and they would sniff that and then they would get a little hanky doused in <laughs> Corvosier and dab it yeah. around their nostrils because that's a that's a known medical cure for a cocaine <laughs> overdose well not so much overdose yeah. as taking off the edge okay yeah, you know, when your nose yeah. is hurting <laughs> right you know you know, you know. How they take, uh, yeah yeah okay. put it away you put the cocaine away now let's t tell more stories so I I I grew up reading about that sort of thing yeah thinking, proper stuff yeah and also you'd read about um keith moon riding a motorcycle down a hotel corridor yeah or somebody driving a white roll i don't know if this even ever happened but the, the mythology was a white rolls royce into the swimming yeah pool. yeah that's what you did yeah uh, and i just used to think i cannot wait to one day somehow get into that world i didn't know how i'd ever get there but by the time I was on the road with the Lurkers, um, Punk had come in. And suddenly it just wasn't cool to admit that that's... That, you, the excess of the 70s is exactly what they were against. And exactly what I was there for. Yeah. I, I wanted to be in a hotel yeah. room. Yeah, with Fleetwood Mac doing the... Yeah. Carrying a television set to the wind, the balcony yeah. and throwing it over and then going... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, yeah. Um, but never quite got to that stage. Did do a bit of smashing up, but by the time I got to when I went on tour, say with Marillion in the mid '80s, who were a big band in Britain at the time, um, and fantastic fun at that point as they well. They were fantastic yeah. fun at that point, yeah. And they had taken the throwing the telly out the window to a new level. 
One of them used to work as a TV engineer. Oh, it was Pete, wasn't it? It was. The bass so, player, And he yeah. had this thing where, uh, and these days, our phones, our devices, we're so used to it. But in those days, there'd be one telly per house or yeah. one telly per hotel room. And, and that was your only form of entertainment yeah. or what do you do at 11 at night, you know. And he would fix it so that in everybody's room, it was called the Upside Down Club. The telly in everybody's room, would the picture would be upside down. Because <laughs> don't forget, this is the 80s. There's yeah. no Game Boy or yeah, yeah. Xbox or whatever. It's Tuesday, just songs of praise upside down. Tuesday night in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know. Um, you put the telly on, giggling, drunk or stoned, and watch the telly upside down. And it went on all tour. And then by the end of the tour, John Arneson, who we've mentioned before, got yeah. this bill. And he went, man, what's this fucking, fucking? <laughs> There was a whole chain of hotels all over the UK <laughs> sending bills for six or seven televisions yeah. that had been ruined because the pictures <laughs> were now upside down on them. And... and uh. And Pete Travis goes, it's all right, it's all right, just tell him to turn them up, tell yeah, him to turn them around. Turn, yeah. So you can turn the telly upside down and watch well, it. That was, well, that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> and another group, Split Ends, who were, uh, in 81, I went on the road with them and for about a month when they toured Europe. One of the worst tours I ever did. No one had ever heard of them in Europe. So they were doing, you know, the Sydney Opera House in Australia. Even in America, they were pretty big. In the UK, they were they they had a name. In Europe, crickets, yeah. nothing. Bales of tumbleweed, tumbleweed going down the main street, and uh, so it's a dreadfully miserable tour. But we always seem to be staying in hotels on like the forty-second floor, and of course you can't open those windows. I only open a little bit. Yeah, and they have this <laughs> thing. For years you know why that is, don't you? Yeah, in case you. Throw a telly out <laughs> forty-two stories up. Yeah, I'm being very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> but they had this thing where they would make paper aeroplanes and and sail them out of the windows. Yeah. And banal and drippy as that sounds, and split ends love their trucks. You know, uh, the these these paper aeroplanes are what kept us entertained. And you would start to make, um, you know, like custom-made mm. ones and right on them and da 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 and some would just plummet straight to the earth you'd be going no it's gonna hit that blade on the head quick fight fight or well, some would just go probably well, still yeah, out there right yeah. now still out there still going around the globe still going around the globe yeah yeah but yeah I, I before you jump onto the really big <laughs> private jets and all the rest of it Lisa Dominic no Germans right uh, with Kerrang at the <laughs> he's laughing. I'm not gonna talk about Lisa Nominee. Um any more the, than any, I already have more. over several podcasts. <laughs> you know you're single handedly reviving. I'm, I'm gonna talk career. I'm gonna talk about Germans. She's back. I'm, I'm gonna say yes. She's back on the road with Jim Bowen. He's I don't That's know, a cardboard you know he's cutout. even alone alive. But uh, by the way, I do love this cardboard yeah. cutout idea. A couple of years ago this keeps your keeps your career alive. Three long after you've by gone. Dio. Yeah, they missed right. a trick. Just done a cardboard cutout. Send shot a, a cardboard cutout. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. play the music. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, As I understand dun. it, that's pretty much what it was like. <laughs> well, I thought but, it was really good. Yeah, that no, was great. Yeah, yeah. Wendy told me. Um, you leave Wendy alone. I will, I will, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to talk about 
the German experience because there was a, a period at the late 80s, you know, the, the centre of the music universe was LA, but heavy metal, as well as being big in the UK, it was always huge in Germany. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, a really, it was, I think at the time it was the, the second biggest market after America, yeah. certainly for touring yeah. bands yeah. and for probably Still for record sales probably. as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge country, you know, it's a bit, there's a lot of people live there and they love their mainly metal. Germans, yeah, though, mainly Germans. Yeah, mainly Germans. They loved thrash, they loved, you know, all that. So they loved the real kind of thrash stuff. Of course they did. These and they machines. Were, I'll tell you what, it's a couple of the weirdest things. I went on the road with a band called Railway, who are a <laughs> <laughs> German band. Okay. I went you know, on. Hang on. Railway. I went That's on the road, road with a German band <laughs> called, called Ra yeah, Railway. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I yeah. think you were clearly yeah. on the right track. Ray, Ray Palmer did the photos. You're on the right track. Ray, Ray Palmer did the photos. Guess where we went. It. Guess where we went to do the pictures. You've guessed. You're right, Coco. We went, we went to the Hauptbahnhof, the main station in Munich, to do the photos. Oh, is that the Nazi yeah. station? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Can you so. kick him? I can't. He just wants to sit down. He just wants to join in. He's excited by the thought of German heavy metal. But <clears throat> he's now been lifted up to the microphone just so he can make it any announcement that needs making. Shut up if I do. Give yeah. me a kiss. Good boy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not you, John. We went to uh, we went we went. Me and Ray Palmer went to Munich to to start this road trip with uh, with Railway. And it sounds, I'm just saying, it sounds like you're on the right track, that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like that in the piece. There were no railway jokes in the piece. Oh, so no yeah. different stations. It, no. <laughs> It was a different we get, platform yeah, in those anyway, days. It so. were, yeah, it was a, we were giving them a, a new platform in Kerrang to... Uh, to get their career on the on the on the right on the straight and narrow. Get, let the journey begin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to give them, yeah, try and conduct them in the right way. But enough of that. We get, <laughs> get to the, get the we get we got to basically. Munich like really late at night, and Railways manager or whoever turned up to pick me and Ray up, and he he took us. He said, "I'll take you to the hotel," you know. He started taking us out. Yeah, I was, you probably, I'm sure you've been to Munich. It's a, it's a lovely city, but it's huge. Yeah. It's a vast city. You know, it's a kind of sprawling place. And uh, he starts driving us, and we're driving for hours, and we're going outside Munich, and we're starting to think, me and Ray, we don't know this guy. It's like, <laughs> we, you know, he's, this is a, not a band we're kind of, you, you know, like John Arneson or something. You know, if Arnie's driving to the hotel, you know you're going to get to it. All of a sudden, we're in the Black Forest, you know, and and this guy's driving and he's not telling us where. And he goes, uh, I'm taking you to a new hotel that my friend owns and it's not opened yet. <laughs> and we're like, Christ, was in it a hell. railway hotel? Yeah, <laughs> we're like, what the hell is it? And I'm looking at Ray and he's looking at me and we're like, bloody hell, you know. And uh, we go further and further out, it's taking longer and longer. And it's getting really late you know <laughs> rock and roll do you know it's you getting know. do you know it's past 11 <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the middle of the night and we're going and uh and i haven't eaten yeah yeah and we're going to this we're going to this your friend's hotel which isn't, isn't open yeah and the reason he goes he goes yeah yeah he wants to try it out on a couple of people all <laughs> right and we Great. get there and it was like this um it was like this sort of hunting lodge you know it was all wood all wooden and you know, it was like sort of like a bit like 
I'm sure in the day, in the in the in the beautiful light of the Munich dawn, it was like Heidi would stay there. <laughs> Heidi, Heido, like that. But at night it was sinister, you know. And you go, and there's no one there. And we go in, and there's this one guy there waiting for Eagle. us, you know. Yeah, and he goes, oh, he goes, uh, we're not open yet. And it, and it was lovely inside. He goes, you stay wherever you want, pick a room. <laughs> so we picked up a bit, and it turned out to be really good. And then we go, he goes, meet me in the bar. So we go down to the bar, and obviously, like, there's no one there, so we just pour in whatever <laughs> drinks you want. And then these two girls turn up that he'd just arranged for us to turn up. Really? Just these two German girls for us to pass T the time Railway tickets? Railway. <laughs> they didn't have uniforms or anything. They didn't ask for any tickets. But it was great. So it was a great night. Want, I don't know. They just wanted to sit around just at music new hotel. We were... I've told you, Mick, we were, we were trying out the hotel. We were seeing what it was like. We were seeing whether it was fit for guests. And the next day, we woke up in the Heidi High Hotel and we went on the road with Railway, which I, as no, by all accounts, I think was, was completely without incident, as I remember. Um, we seem to have skipped a crucial part oh, of you're story. Going, you're, you're, oh, you're a gentleman! With... A gentleman never tells. Well, that's why I'm asking you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're in this bar with these girls, and, and next thing, and the next morning, I, the manager stayed with us the whole time to make oh, sure yeah. there was no foul. Right. And play. where did the girls stay? Did they have? They their stayed own... the hotel. Well, you could pick a room, Mick. That's all I'll and say. Did they you could pick, pick your a room. room? I'm sure they could have picked any room they wanted. So, and of course, did they pick your room? Well, I don't know. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I'm sure it was probably like most English teams in Germany had a shot but missed, you know, <laughs> came home empty-handed from the Railway World Cup. Was it a penalty shoot? <laughs> and then I remember being on the road, last German thing, I remember being on the road with Halloween. Do you remember Halloween? Who were managed by yeah. Rod Smallwood. But here's a group we've heard of. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did go on the road with, eventually progressed, <laughs> having survived the railway experience. You're good with German, man. Do you want to go on the road with Halloween in America? Yeah, all right, yeah. And Ray Palmer was the photographer. And we're on the tour, we're on the proper actual tour bus. And all their singer wanted to talk about was photography with Ray. And Ugh. we just sat there going, oh, no. And he's going on, and he picks up Ray's camera, and he goes, uh, is this good for taking photos <laughs> or something like that? Ray goes, yeah, yeah, it's a camera, you know. And he goes, uh, so if I'm in a bush... <laughs> I could use this and I would get a good photo. And we're like, if you're in a bush, mate, come on. You what? Outside a window. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. And it was like that. It was like he wanted to take these kind of covert photos from bushes and through he windows and stuff. He probably was just a bird watcher. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think he was just That's a, what I tell myself as he was later arrested as, the, you know, <laughs> the Munich cannibal. <laughs> What do they call bird watchers? Um, Die Heisenkrausenstrasser or something. <laughs> das, das pervert. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. that, that's that's lovely. I must say, that's all lovely. And that's, um, that's not, that doesn't even count the time I went with Rammstein to uh, wherever it was. Let's stay, let's stay in yeah. Germany yeah, as that, we wander that, down the that was Rammstein. That was, it, that was in yeah. Brixton. Actually, we ended up in Brixton. Ramstein in a Brixton. Ramstein, I think you'll find. Uh, oh, okay. if you you're get one it of those, right, yeah, I'm one of those. You're one of those. Yeah, I'm one of those because they actually were the probably. I, I think we I slightly digress at the moment. I think they're the best heavy metal band in the world at the moment by some distance. Their live show is the most sensational thing I've seen for many years. The show at Brixton, the singer 
made his entrance by coming down from the ceiling dressed as a hunchback. Like, <laughs> if you don't want to see that, mate, you don't Are want you to see sure heavy it wasn't metal. Iron Maiden. You no, had. no, this this was this was Ramstein. Got that whole this was, hunchback yeah. thing down pretty this good. Is, and then by the time they got up, last time I saw them was at the O2, and that show was utterly sensational. I mean, it was insane, but sensational. And they were terrifically interesting people. They were all from East Germany. They were all born in East Germany. They're all sort of, they're older than you think. You know, they didn't make it till later in life because they grew up in East Germany behind the Iron Curtain. And I had to interview them through translators that Dante Benuto organised. Dante, our former uh, editor at Kerrang, who, um, who became their label manager. And so it was all through translators. And the singer, who's this guy called Till Lindemann, who used to be something like an Olympic swimmer, you know, he he didn't he till didn't do interviews, but the rest of them did interviews. And they were talking about their what life was like in East Germany. When they first formed a band, you had to go in front of a committee and play one song. And they would tell you what sort of a band you were and where you could play. Really? Yeah, yeah. And they got all of their so did they look at them and say, uh, they, you, they, "You'll be yeah, our heavy okay, metal band." This guy, this guy, guy be Rich, Rich, yeah, <laughs> Richard, who was the he was a keyboard player or something. This guy, Richard, he was a lovely guy. And he goes, "Yeah," he goes, "We thought we sounded like Judas Priest." He goes, <laughs> he goes and then when they finally heard Judas Priest, he goes, "We realised we were rubbish." <laughs> <laughs> but they, but they were really and they they were very interesting. And this is going to be completely, you know, non-road story, but they they. One of the reasons I think they're fantastic is they've never tried to to translate their lyrics in English. I think they've only ever done it once or twice, and it doesn't work because the German language is actually very metal and very beautiful. And they were <clears throat> they were saying that there's actually a huge difference between East German and German, and some of the words they use for it. The one I remember most is they've got an album called Sensucht, which uh, which means hunger, but it also means longing in East German, which I think is lovely. You know, it's sort of this beautiful word means hunger but it means longing and you kind of really get that you know well, you and they, so that, yeah, yeah i do I they're great so they, they, there's great contrast between sort of in insane heavy metal on stage when the singers dress as a hunchback and they're doing that classic third german thing of, you know they love a big dildo that fires out spunk you know on what? stage sorry hang on. i've seen I, numerous I, I german of, bands who've done i kind of tuned out they, yeah, halfway into numerous that, german but bands came back that. in on Dildos shooting out. They did. Spunk. They did all that stuff. They they don't do anymore. They did all that they, stuff. They I've never seen that on Should, stage. Did you? There was another German band called. Sado. I don't remember Lemmy bringing a, on a dildo. There was a German band called Sado, who basically, you know, they they basically end up having sex on stage. You know. Hang on. And they used Sado. to do Sado. Sado. S A D O. Let me just write that Sado. down. Sado. And they're on YouTube. <laughs> or did you say Pornhub? <laughs> Something like. that. The Germans were obsessed with all that stuff. Can I just say? Go on. I'll never forget the Rammstein song. Is it Mutter? Mutter, mother, yeah. I used to yeah. say I, I can't. And then I'd hear some other group that would sound a lot like them. And I'd go, I can't believe it's not Mutter. <laughs> that, you see, that, that is why he's at the top of the podcast tree. <laughs> right. I'm going to get now into the big stuff. Yeah. Private planes, Ooh, limousines. That's what you want. Um, now, all that said, I, I have been on the private plane a few times, and it's actually, by the time you get to the private plane, the band itself are way beyond um, 
all for one and one for all. Yeah. We're having a good time tonight. Now, I know that Zeppelin and all those people treated private planes like the immense novelty and toy that they were in those days. The stewardesses would be, flight attendants would Mm. be essentially groupies. Um, And it was really, to be honest, in the 70s, if you got on a... An aeroplane, domestic flight in America in the 70s, the flight attendants did look like groupies yeah. anyway. It's all tiny skirts and cleavage. Nothing wrong with that, you know. That was just the blokes. <laughs> in Frisco. Yeah. Um, um, but by the time you get to the 80s, the first time I went on a private plane was with Sticks. Oh, really? On oh, their good Paradise yeah. Theatre tour. Those... N- the no noted rock and roll animals. You know it's you, babe. Whenever I get weary and I've had enough, feel like giving up. You know it's you, Mick. You just had Dennis DeYoung whispering in your ear. Then, then at the end of me, how did it go? There was that little. I don't know. What a yeah. Apparently that was the demo, and when they tried to record it normally, it didn't come out with the same magic. Sco- official scoop. This is what Dennis DeYoung whispered in your ear on the private plane. Well, well, De- Mick, Dennis, let me tell you about the time Dennis I wrote. Dennis had Babe. his own room at the back of the plane. Right? <laughs> Did he? Yeah. So, uh, and Dennis would always dress on the road. Okay, we're we're in Texas. We did Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas, and um, which is like. You've got to fly to each yeah, town yeah. on the private plane. And um, Dennis be in these enormous, amazing hotels. You know, like the lobby is bigger than a normal hotel, you know. And and he used to walk around. It was in February, fair enough. But it was Texas. It was warm. He would walk around in this um, quite Germanic, actually, this black leather long coat with a belt. And he would wear a suit and tie. <laughs> <laughs> and he would be surrounded by flunkies that had to walk a bit behind him. So you've got, was it Tommy Shaw and yeah. JJ, the other Someone. guy? The monster guitarist. Two guitarists. Cute Tommy Shaw. Yeah. Oh, the girls love me. And then JJ Young, was it? JJ Young. He was like, He could have been in the Scorpions. He's one of those guys, moustache. Yeah. I mean, handbag. But Dennis. I also had a tash, but he was the one who wrote, It's you, babe. Yeah. So Tommy and JJ wrote, is it JY? JY? JK? Tommy Shaw and someone, wasn't it? Yeah. They'd be out there rocking. Yeah. But Dennis would come up with a conceptual journey idea to this particular album. I thought what we'd do is, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) So I'm on the plane with the lads, all in t shirts and jeans. Necking drinks. Except for Dennis, he's got his. Well, Dennis leather. is in his private room, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, uh, Dennis says he's ready for his interview now. If you oh. just knock on the. So yeah. I go up to the back of the plane. I'm like, oh. come, you know. So, oh. Yeah. So I go in, and he sat at a table, in his suit and tie, the leather, big leather stormtrooper coat is there on the, on the back, and it's a three course meal. And I'm supposed to interview him over the call. And it was ribs. He's got fucking ribs. So he's got this, he's like delicately having a little nibble. And he's got this big serviette. And I'm, I'm, what what am I, 22 or something? You've got a t-shirt. 
I've got the same T-shirt I've been wearing for three days, <laughs> which has beer and cigarettes. He's like, wearing it now. I immediately like If you could cigarette. see him now, he's, he's got like, it on. I, I don't allow smoking in here. I'm like, oh, oh really? Oh, God, wow. Fucking hell, prima yeah. donna. You put out fake. So uh, I'm necking <laughs> beers, and he's... And, of course... I have a go at the ribs. They just literally just go all <laughs> yeah. over me. Yeah. And Dennis is like, so you see, when I first came up with the concept for... And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, fucking hell. Oh, pass me that thing. Oh. Would you care for a napkin? You, you, and then he goes, you look like you could do with a shower. I went, yeah, do you have one on the plane? <laughs> so, um... So, we do the interview... I then leave him there, go back in, and everybody knows what sort of ordeal it must have been, and they're all laughing at me. But we get to the hotel, and it was like out of Spinal Tap. Later that same day, sitting in the lobby, waiting to get into the limo just to go to the gig, here comes Dennis in the full Stormtrooper outfit, (laughs) with that hair, that moulded hair that looked like a hat. And uh, and, he, and I'm sitting down, and he literally walks, comes over, and you know, like you, when you, you just had this interview come about, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 Dennis. He literally just fucking blanked, <laughs> carried on walking. Rightly so. Yeah, it was kind of like, I'm sorry, I just yeah. had to sit over here yeah, and wait, wait for, for the, the limo. limo. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, well, what's um, wrong with what's him? What's up with him? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He's not cool. No. Uh, but it may have been me that wasn't cool. Yeah. But Def Leppard on their private plane, um, they had a, it was the last night of their hysteria tour. So they'd be on the road for 14 months, whatever it is. And um, we're flying to the very final show. So as a treat, the captain, because they've been on this plane every day for months, you know, so the captain has a special treat on the final flight. <laughs> Good to <Just> loop the loop. <laughs> yes, no, no. Yes, I was yes. joking. I thought, oh. But fuck. before he does, he does, he does loop the loop, which is making me literally want to yeah, puke because yeah. I've obviously been pissed for forty-eight hours at this point. But then, for a laugh, he does a nosedive. Oh. <laughs> For a joke. Yeah. Like, you're all going to die. Yeah. And Joe Elliott's like, ha, 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 <laughs> oh, Jim, or whatever his name is, you know. Go, go on, mate. Hey. Yeah. But we are literally gone. <laughs> yeah. Facing, you're facing, you're facing the floor. And you can hear oh, it's going, my worst, it's my worst nightmare. Yeah. And things are shaking and, and I'm like, Cliff Bernstein's sitting next to me and I'm going to him make him stop make him stop I was literally just to be about to say we're all going to die yeah when Cliff goes uh, okay Jim I think we, you know not everybody's enjoying yeah, we've this we've got the idea now Steve Clark I don't even <laughs> know if he knew what we were doing yeah, yeah. he was reading a magazine <laughs> and like no cognizance yeah. of anything that's going yeah. on. And afterwards, I said to him, fucking hell, Steve, that was a bit hairy, wasn't it? What? What? Hey? <laughs> I said, you know, when the pilot... Oh, did he? Oh, oh, oh. Because that was kind of Steve. He never yeah. really yeah. connected well, with whatever yeah. reality the rest of you were in. You yeah. know? 
So that was a so that was a plane. laugh. That was a laugh. That was a laugh. I have got another private plane, a few others, but one that really sticks in my mind is going from London to Newcastle, which is way up north if you don't know England, mm. north of London, um, with Huey Lewis and the News, <laughs> right? Yeah. Who at this point it was their, that first breakthrough album they yeah. had. Hip Bef- to B square. That's it. Mm. And uh, I can I do want, them all. I want a new sticks. Drug. Huey Lewis. I'll do them all. I want a new drug. Hip to B square. Yeah, we're singing different songs. <laughs> yeah, you, I know, but at least join in on the Huey. Huey had a certain kind. Yeah, of hip to B square. <laughs> I want a new drug. But the big hit was, and this is it. Oh, that one. Yeah, Massive in America, but he comes over here, and of course, it hasn't. It hasn't duplicated the success over yeah. here yet. But they're on the tube. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the TV the show. The TV show, yeah. Which was recorded in Newcastle. In Newcastle, yeah. So as part of the story, I fly up with them. And they said it's a private plane to Newcastle. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can mm. do that, you know. And we get to the airport. And it is a privately hired plane. But it's not a private. You're not flying private. It's a propeller plane. Oh, yeah. Which is like the aeronautical equivalent of a transit van. Yeah. You, you literally can, you've got one seat on this side, one seat on this side. Um, you can't stand up in it. And, and, and literally at the front of the bus is the pilot. And, and as he starts up the engine, you know, he goes, uh, hello, lads. He goes, I'm Captain Luck. <laughs> he goes, let's hope that's not. You know, jinxing it for yeah. you. Immediately, everybody's going, oh, no, we're going to yeah. die. We're going to die, Captain Luck. You know, so we take off. Have you, ever been, have you been on a propeller plane? Not a propeller, but a very small one. I'll tell you in a minute, but go on. Horrible. Yeah. If you really... It's in- like being inside a tin can. People don't realise it's it's like, it's like being inside a crappy old 1970s car when you can hear everything. Except... Your except your own voice, yeah. Except your own voice, because the pressure is so bloody intense, yeah. And also, you've got these propellers right by your head on the other side of the thin, thin uh, capsule or whatever it is. And um, so we're literally still ascending. You on a propeller, you don't ascend like a jet. A jet just goes up like that. Propellers sort of go up, they come down a bit, they flatten a bit, they wobble, they go up another bit. Oh no, can't make that down a bit, you know. Fucking awful. And in the middle of this, Captain Luck goes over his shoulder and goes, uh, <laughs> uh, anyone want a drink? And somebody's like, yeah, yeah. So he literally, like there's a, a, a silver box on wheels. Cool box. But yeah. but kind of like a, one of the, like a metal flight case. Yeah, you know? yeah. He kind of undoes the top of that and it's on wheels and he just pushes it down the, because you can't walk. Yeah. So you're, it's, <laughs> you're literally leaning over into this, box and going oh cold beer you know who's got the bottle open now okay and um and yes that was yeah yeah yes yeah now i was on one of those really small planes we're going i'm pretty sure that these things might have conjoined in my mind but i'm sure it was something to do with wasp and we were going on the road with wasp and it was in texas because they had that song I'm blind in, in Texas. Texas. And there's a bit where he does... Isn't he from Texas? I, I might be. I'm, I'm not sure. There's Did a they, bit... Didn't they used to call him Tex? 
there's a bit in the song. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit in the song where he starts going San Antonio on the way to Mexico, and he names all these places in Texas. Anyway, irrelevant. This plane was hooking us up, so it wasn't the wasps weren't on it. Either from memory, we were just going to the tour, and it was an internal flight. It was a little private company. Yeah, tiny little plane, and it's banking because the pilot thinks you, everyone loves it, you know, because right. they always think that. They think, they oh, do. you you want to see the coast, you know, yeah. so I'll fly down the coast. No, and I don't want to see No, I don't. Coast. I just want to get there and get out get of this out, horrible thing that's terrifying. The but the thing that, the thing that happened that sticks, in my, that sticks in my mind was Wasp was shooting a video and it was for this song called Forever Free. So you can look the video was up. Was that a ballad? Riding in the wind forever free. <laughs> That's how it goes. And it was in it was in LA and it was it's in not, the, it was up in the hills. There's nothing somewhere. more heartening than Blackie Lawless singing a power yeah, ballad. Power ballad, of love. yeah, yeah. And it was up in the hills somewhere. And the night before we'd been in the rainbow <laughs> with Blackie Lawless. And he's sitting there and I, I remember this really clearly. We're sitting in those sort of horseshoe shaped booths, you know, those red booths. And uh, he's looking around at the girls and he's going to me fucked her fucked her <laughs> fucked and this one of these girls is giving him absolute daggers right like just like staring death rays at him so have you seen blackie have you you know this is alarming to me and i you know um have you that girl over there any oh you know probably fucked her and ignored her and like two minutes later she's sitting on his lap and there's just like snogging away and it's insane uh. but anyway uh, and this was when rod small was small was managing them and he goes, oh, well, yeah, we'll go to video shoot, you know. And it was at night in the hills in L.A., some, you know, somewhere out in over the back, into the, into, the, into the canyons we oh, went, into, canyons, into okay. the canyons, go up and down. And it was, if you, you can look the video up on YouTube and you'll see there's, there's this sort of campfire type set because they were forever free. Oh, right, Blackie's right, probably right. gone there. He's most, and he's given it loads. He's in all the leathers. You know, and he was a big guy, Blackie. He's sort of about you know, six foot oh, two or three, guy, isn't yeah. he? You know, like all the hair and everything and the boots and probably the cob piece and all the rest of it. And we're, we're at, the, and because it's America, right? And it's, it's the middle of the night and there's these, campfire shot i mean it's this is the middle of nowhere so all you can see is there's campfire and then there's all the video lights right. from the film crew right. like shining on it. so you might as well be a ufo you know i mean you're everyone can see this thing all of a sudden we're standing there and blackie's got his guitar ready with his someone starts shooting us and we're like christ you know so we're all, uh, this was the funny thing is we're all cowering in the production, <laughs> Blackie as well. And he's like, it was like women and children first and Blackie's at the front <laughs> sprinting for the door, you know, because he, he's obviously, yeah, he yeah, lives wild yeah, and he's free. you're not forever free. And I remember, I remember standing next to Rod and going, oh, fucking hell, you know. And uh, it just turned out to be some nutcase, I don't know, it was like an air rifle or something. It was nothing serious, but it was funny, you know. Okay, yeah. let's let's tell some road stories then. Okay, so I remember being with Iron Maiden on their World Slavery tour, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um, it could, they would go on for fucking ever. So you'd see them in three months later. You'd go back, and they'd still be on the road, you know. So um, I just remember um, getting to LA, and. Um, they had a lovely tour manager called Tony Wiggins, whose previous job had been the tour manager for Gilbert O'Sullivan. <laughs> right. And Tony used to walk around the hotel in a cardigan and slippers. 
and and you know and they'd be like yeah fuck it, oh, baby, fuck it. Oh, okay steve yeah, yes old boy yes you know and um and they get to, we get to la and la's where all the kind of wives and girlfriends because they're going to do their shows yeah, it's the show they like off. to come to because it's a great place to go exactly good shopping good shopping nice yeah. weather beverly hills nice hotel and all the bands would always arrange for the girls the wives and girlfriends to go to the same show. Otherwise, you'd have yeah. wives and girlfriends turning up of their own yeah. volition. <laughs> you, you might not want, want them to turn up. You definitely don't want them no. to turn up. No. Um, but um, Nico. Nico McBrain, a drummer. What? He's got a, an American girlfriend. I think he later married. Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh, we get to LA. And and be, and at the Sunset Marquee, um, they were sweet. So you'd have like a little lounge and a bedroom. Uh, these days, even more so. But back then, and uh, and so they've all they've all booked an extra sort of nice room for their wives and girlfriends. Yeah. And and Nico's American girlfriend, I can never remember her name because you always called her his sweet pea. <laughs> Maybe that was her name. Yeah, and I remember him saying to Tony at the reception desk, Ross is there. Ross is pushed to the front. <laughs> and Tony's going, Ross, can I just check the band yeah. in before? Ross is like, oh, fuck shit. Oh, yeah. right, fuck's sake. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and everybody's kind of going, hey, Tony, did you get me? I didn't get the, because yeah, mm. Mrs. is coming in. We need, he's going, yeah, all right, don't worry. But I need two keys. Yeah, all right, I'll do it. And Nico's going, Tony, <laughs> where's the key for my sweet pea? <laughs> And Tony's going, I'll, I'll take care of your sweet pea in just a second. Yeah. Just give me a moment to sort Steve Harris out, yeah. you know. So he does all this. And I'm in Tony's room a bit after having a cup of tea, just chatting. And suddenly there's a bat <laughs> on the door. Sorry, pug. Um, Tony! <laughs> Tony, Tony goes to the goes. Nico, what's the matter, old boy? He goes, have you seen my fucking room? And Tony goes, well, well no, no, I haven't seen your room. Come here. So I kind of wander along. And Nico drags him in. He goes, what's this? He goes, I can't bring my sweet pea into this, you fucking cat. And Tony's like, it looks like everybody's room yeah. Yeah, well, that ain't good enough for my sweet pea. Now you go and fucking sort it out. <laughs> I'm looking at Tony going, wow. Yeah. Day in the life, eh? Yeah. But for years afterwards, um, <laughs> whenever Ross and I were away, we would always talk about, you know, and his, you know, meet Joe Elliott with his wife. He goes, is that your sweet pea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sweet pea. And all the bands yeah. would pick it up from us. So suddenly, everybody you worked with was talking about my sweet, my sweet pea. Yeah, yeah. So there was that. Um, the, the Sunset Marquee, all the bands used to stay there when they were on the road. And I remember me and all Ross the, would be All the big by, bands, all the good bands. All the good bands. Yeah. Ross and I would be by the pool day after day. And um, and Ross just had this constant uh, line of, of fun going on. And I remember, do you remember a guy called... Um, what was his name? Something Sexton? Uh, Charlie Sexton? Oh, I do, yeah. Sort of he briefly... Was a, yeah, he had like one big album in yeah, the 80s. Yeah. He was married to Carlene Carter. Right. And he ended up becoming Bob Dylan's guitarist. Right. 
But in the mid-80s, he had one album in America that really did well. And he's an amazing-looking guy, mm. really good-looking, always head-to-toe in leathers. Like yourself. <laughs> and maybe sitting they couldn't there. tell him, fuck, this is going to be the story in the Sunset Market. <laughs> People kept coming up to Mick and Charlie, you good-looking fucker. I'll go, you leave my yeah, sweet, sweet pee alone. Um, and I just remember... Ross would get more and more annoyed because the waiters would serve the famous people yeah. first. And um, I remember Charlie Sexton walking by the pool and uh, in his gear. And Ross just <laughs> out of nowhere going, Oi, what time are you on stage there? And it was like 10am. Yeah. <laughs> He's so fantastically horrible, isn't he? He is. Or he'd be going, Oi, leave him. Yeah. Stop serving the famous people. <laughs> His last album was a stiff. He's over. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, the worst trip I ever had away. Oh yeah. But there were so many, uh, uh, and then you you get told about things. I mean, um, Doc McGee, uh, famously now the manager of Kiss and many others. But back then, the manager of Bon Jovi, yeah, Motley, yeah. Scorpions for a while, Skid Row. And um, he told me a story not so long ago about um, touring with Skid Row that first year. The first time they went to Japan, for instance. And Sebastian Bach, the singer, he's just, he's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So Doc has got his younger brother, Scott McGee, handling the day-to-day. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and he said, um, and he goes, Scott was amazing. He Scott invented full contact management. <laughs> With Sebastian. <laughs> he said, he goes, typical. He goes, we're just leaving Japan. The plane takes off, all in first class. And um, um, Sebastian is, is, is uh, hang on, let me get this right. I may have, I may have bugged this story, sorry. Um Oh, I can't remember the beginning of the story. But anyway, Sebastian's causing causing a lot of trouble. So I think they... Oh, fuck. I think I fucked this story. He's just screwed the story. Wait, I've wait. screwed the story. I tell you what, yeah, two of the stories other people told. I remember Ray Palmer telling me about going on the road. Because I spent quite a lot of time with Ray. And he'd come out with these mad stories. And they went... It was I think it was him and Malcolm. Malcolm so, Dome. Malcolm Dome, yeah. They went to cover a festival in somewhere like Louisiana and it was going to be 30, 40,000 people. I'm trying to think of the band they were with. It might have been the Scorpions even, someone like that. And uh, they, they do this ridiculous kind of road trip to get, they're going all through Louisiana, these backwards and everything. At one point, the bus breaks down. So it wasn't that big a band. It wouldn't have been the Scorpions. It was a slightly smaller type band. The bus breaks down. And they stop at this garage and it's like in the middle of, you know, good old Boysville or somewhere. <laughs> so all these people, these hillbillies come out of the garage. From you the know. Hills. Yeah, you know, and it is like the hills have eyes, you know, and they're going, you boys need some help. You know, it's a bit like that. And they're, oh, well, our bus is pretty. You know. We'll have that fixed for you in no time. Why don't you come up here on the porch and have a beer or whatever? <laughs> so you know what Ray's like. He's like, oh, yeah, well, no, I don't mind if I do, you know. So he's up there. Ray's probably charming them with his usual stories, you know, and it, I remember saying it started to rain. It started to rain, pissing down, like really, really, and uh, in, in the way it does in the American South. And out of the kind of surrounding undergrowth around this 
gas station in the middle of nowhere they managed to stop it so these big bullfrogs came hopping out of the uh, out of the undergrowth and the kids the kids of the people who ran the garage so they start running over and they're jumping on the bullfrogs and squashing them <laughs> which is horrible and, and, and Ray's like oh I don't think you should be doing that darling you know what I mean? and he said he said that and it was like it was like you don't tell our kids what to do and the guy just turned around to them and said, we fixed your van, think you should be on your way now. <laughs> and they, so they just like, all had to get back in the van and drive off. And they were glad to, because it was right, a bit kind of right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Anyway. And the upshot was they got to the festival. It was like 30,000 people and the rest of it. 12 people. 12 people there. Ray said he ended up consoling the man who'd bought the hamburger concession. <laughs> <laughs> He'd had a, he had a, like a refrigerated unit with about 20,000 hamburger patties or whatever it was. Going, oh, do you want one? Well, America <laughs> is the place to meet crazy people if you're touring. Oh. My very, very first trip to America was with Black Sabbath. And uh, again, I you know, dreamed of going to America and here I am with Sabbath. And we're in New York. What year was this? Was this with Ozzy or with Ronnie? Uh, no, Ronnie Dio, yeah. 1980. Yeah. And um, the Heaven and Hell tour. Probably so Ronnie's that, first tour with them, was it? It was. Yeah. Um, it was the Black and Blue tour. So it was Sabbath oh, Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd never been to New York. I'd never been to Madison Square Garden. But anyways, two shows and I... I God knows how it all worked out. But I'm in the limo with Tony Iommi going to the gig. And um, it's literally just me and Tony and the tour manager, Paul Clark. And everybody else has their own limo. And um, and to get into the back of, or the dressing room area, or the backstage area of Madison Square Garden, you inevitably go down the side of the building. But there's a special gate. And you have to press the, inter no mobile phone. Mm. You have to press, yes, it's Tony Iommi. Yeah. You know, um <laughs> And they're buzzing this gate and no one's coming. And quite soon, the limo starts to be surrounded by crazy New York Black Sabbath fans. And Paul Clark has to put the window down because yeah. he's trying to talk to the intercom. Yeah, yeah. And he's like trying to talk to the intercom. Why, that's Black Sabbath. Open the fucking door. Yeah. And, and this kid, he was about 19, but this big kind of crazy New York kid literally shoves it upper half of his body into the limo <laughs> and he's looking at Iommi's going hey Tony man <laughs> yeah. Tony man you remember me man you remember me man and Iommi's looking at him going no I don't fucking remember you and he's like you know me man I'm your brother man we you I'm your brother oh you abandoned God. me I'm your brother man try to touch him man and oh Paul my Clark's God. like yeah we fucking remember you all right blokes like ah, ah. and as the window's going up we can hear it I'm your fucking yeah. brother man I'm your fucking brother man same Jesus. gig same gig the next day outside that we were staying at the um What's the big in New York? The, the one Parker. No, 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 no. This the is beyond, no, no. This is beyond that. This is this the is Trump, where, Trump where, Tower. Where royalty would stay. What's okay. it fucking called? Oh, my brain. Anyway, the big Kahuna, and um, we're outside, and uh, and it, it, there's just drug dealers everywhere. It's in, yeah. it's in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? My brain. But. Um, there's one drug dealer with a wooden leg. 
and he keeps all his drugs in the wooden leg. Because the police will never look never there. Never thought of that, <laughs> yeah. no. Boy, he got it. Yeah. Wow, yeah. you know. So, I'm, what's it called? Uh, the... I know. Whatever. The Hilton, so, the Paris Hilton. Way beyond that. So it's like where Elizabeth Taylor stays. Right. You know? And um, this guy goes, hey, man. The Ritz, the Ritz Carlton. No, I don't know. I'm no, just saying hotels. I can think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a it's nice. It's like Taj Mahal. You know, yeah. it's one of, if you say it, you'll know. Yeah. And you go, hey man, you with the stones? I'm like, no, no, yeah. Sabbath. Yeah. Hey man, yeah. Sabbath. That's some crazy shit. And starts to undo his wooden leg. Oh god. Shake it all out onto the pavement, and. Uh, Naturally, I made my excuses. Yeah, and um, yeah, I said, yeah. Oh, I'm English. He I'm says, you, English. could you give these to Tony? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Ozzy, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> he's far fucking out, man. Ozzy, say hi to Ozzy. And I'm like, Ozzy's yeah. not in the group. Yeah, no. It's but Ronnie then, now. You'd like Ronnie. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Come and meet Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But also... Um, I think one of the best kind of on the roads I did was actually a year ago when I went on the Kiss Cruise. Oh, I'd love to do that. And I don't know why. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I was slightly dreading it. Yeah. I'd never, yeah. A, I'd never been on a cruise liner. So yeah. I, 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 I imagine just a big boat. Really. Like a ferry, but, with, but yeah. a bit bigger. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be day and night loud music. <laughs> It'd be like going to... I'm not going to be able to go to bed. No, no exactly. Yeah, I think it'd be yeah. like being at Donington. Yeah, but you know, permanent, you can't even, but permanently. Even for about three or four days. Yeah. 24... And you can't even get in your car and say, I just need yeah. to fuck off for a couple of hours because yeah. you're on a boat. Yeah. And I'm imagining it, you know... <laughs> that's the problem with the sea it. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's the problem with being on a boat is you're on a fucking boat. Yeah. So um, the idea is, is it, the boat, boat sails from Miami. And then it goes down to the Bahamas. And then it goes on to Jamaica. And then maybe somewhere else and then home. And um, and I'm really thinking, oh, God, you know. I turn up. It's, have you been on one of these seas? No, no, that's what it says. You have never, it never. is like a city on the sea. Wow. It is massive. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a block of buildings in New York. It's fucking enormous. There's like 12 floors. There's maybe 20 That's restaurants. It's quite exciting, yeah. Casino, theatres, um, shops. Um, and, and yeah, pretty much, not 24-7, but maybe, maybe 14 hours every day of music. But it's yeah. on deck. He's got to go and see Paul Stanley doing his acoustic well, show. Or something. <laughs> well, oh, they, yeah. Kiss did do an unplug. Yeah, of course on they the did. deck by the pool. Did they? For the for as the boat left Miami Harbour, oh. they did a special unplug, no makeup. Um, it was great. Yeah, it no, was, I imagine they they I've heard them do stories. the unplug. They're good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and um, so this is good. But then the rest of the stay, you know, different decks have different concerts. Yeah. So Kiss did two shows. So is it as you go down, the concerts get, you know, worse and worse <laughs> as you get lower? Well, you'd think, but not not really. I mean, obviously, they're lesser known bands. Um, but there is a huge theatre. So like on deck seven, 
there's a, a theatre that's as big as the Hammersmith Oak, yeah. you know, or, or your local uh, Apollo or whatever it yeah. is, you know, a, a theatre that maybe holds four or five thousand people. And they did two shows there on two different nights, two completely different sets. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, but you think, how, it was like the TARDIS. How, how do you get all yeah. this? Well, yeah. you get all this because look how big this thing is. Yeah. And um, so I saw Kiss three times in three days. But they also had like Warrant. Oh, that would be quite good. Uh, she's my cherry pie. Yeah, all that. Not, no Janie though, sadly. No Janie, yeah. sadly. Yeah. Janie had a gun. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know. How did Janie die? I can't remember. I think it was just rock and roll excess ho- discovered in a hotel room. Sad story. Because I have to say, I'm sure I interviewed him a couple of times and he was all right. And he also, I th- he could he could write good songs, Janie, because he wrote most of the Warrant hits. What was the, the big hit ballad they had? Sometimes <laughs> she cries. <laughs> When she's lying next to me, sometimes she weeps. That one. Uh, I, I don't know. Sing me some more. <laughs> I've just sort of a very good on the road story. The with bloke, with, so I remember being in, in the Kerrang office, I think, with one of the blokes from Warren, just making chitter chatter as you do. And I said to him, where do you want to, where do you want to go to in London? And he said, the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago as a PR, many years ago, doing REO Speedwagon <laughs> uh, when they came to London. This is before they had any big hits in America, alone in the UK. And uh, they were doing uh, a place called The Venue. I don't know if that was still going when you would began yeah. your gigging career. But it was, uh, it was uh, a kind of oversized club in Victoria in London. Right. Um, so you'd get reasonably big bands playing there but it was lots of tables and drinks a bit like the Roxy in LA but much bigger yeah and um and they were there and uh it was their only UK show because it was the only you know they couldn't sell enough tickets yeah but the next night they were in Amsterdam and then the week after that a day after that Paris yeah something yeah. And at the end, I remember the singer, like, yeah, 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 everybody, yeah, let's see you, let's see you all tomorrow night in Amsterdam, <laughs> yay! Because he yeah, just, just didn't was, know where it was. No, just yeah. drive up, just up the road. Yeah, yeah. see you yeah. tomorrow night in Amsterdam. Yeah, okay, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got Warren, they've got Adler's Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, what are they going to play? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and they've got a singer that. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be Guns and Roses. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it could, could be Stephen Adler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. Ah, uh, he, uh, he was. I, I, I really have a lot of time for Stephen. Yeah, no, I we, did talk to him. You heard my story, right? I did hear your story. Yeah, we. That's for can't tell time. that story. Yeah. No, no, can't tell no. that story. But here's a nice on the road story that will warm the cockles of your heart. Uh, on the road with Def Leppard, I've just remembered this one. I don't know where we were, uh, Boston, Denver, um, but in those days, me and Steve Clark were were like you know, you were the glim- the what the twins, <laughs> the, the twins. toxic twins. We were the toxic, the toxic twins. 
albeit slightly different heights. <laughs> Steve? Yeah. Uh, Steve wasn't me. tall. Wasn't it? I thought he was no. quite tall. Was no, he mistake? just looked that way. Who am I mistaking to... him for? No, no, you're tall. He wasn't tall. That's right. Yeah. No, Joe Elliott's I knew, tall. I knew what, Joe Elliott, maybe I'm thinking of Joe Elliott. No, Steve He's was tall. just very skinny, right, so he looked right. like he should be lanky. Yeah. Um, but anyway, him and I always ended up together at the end of every night because... Because uh, we were the, the toxic, toxic twin. twins, yeah. and um, and this particular night, this uh, some flash hotel somewhere. Um, he's in my room. We've taken the mirror off the wall. We've got it all going on. He, had, he used to drink litre bottles of vodka and put um, uh, uh, some little, you know, uh, soft drink in it to kill the smell. Right. Um, cranberry juice, that yeah, was it. Vodka yeah. and cranberry juice. So, like, you know, like eight inches of vodka <laughs> yeah. and centimeters. A splash of cranberry. Just enough to make it go red. Yeah, yeah. And we'd be drinking those. And um, and this particular night, um, he just passed out. I mean, it's probably five in the morning, you know. Boredom. But, but he's. <laughs> He's As gone. Mick launched into another tale. <laughs> Steve, let me tell you yeah. about let me my tell you. days. Oh, I know. I've got a great idea for a lyric. <laughs> <laughs> it goes like this. You're my yeah. cherry pie. Yeah. Da, 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 da. So um, he passes out and I'm trying to wake him. And now this is, you know, when someone's gone. Yeah. I thought, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? Because it's not one of those five in the morning. You can't even call the tour manager or a friend and go, yeah. man, Steve's Steve, passed yeah, out. Because yeah. also, See, Steve... this is where when you read the rock biographies, this is this is where well, I just left him. I don't know what happened well, that, after that. that. That is exactly what has happened many, many times. Yeah, Bond I know. Scott being the, yeah, the yeah. ultimate, which we will talk about one yeah. day. But... Um, so I'm like, <laughs> it wasn't me. I just left him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he but, seemed fine. <laughs> but this is my room. <laughs> what have you been doing? Well, we've been up for six days <laughs> taking drugs, man. What do you think we've been doing? Um, I said to him, the heroin is quite strong. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but he was in this thing where he'd been in and out of rehab. He was like the black sheep of the group. They were always kind of watching him for how much he drank, and mm. blah, blah, blah. Obviously not that close. Well, let's really just leave him with Mickle. Mickle keep an eye on him. That's no, what they no, said. You, honestly, he'd be in the bar after, and we'd be like, night then, bye, bye. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. next thing he'd be tapping on my door. Yeah. And um, so you couldn't even, with Marillion, if it had been fish, you would have just knocked on any of their door yeah. and gone, he's fucking gone, help yeah. me. Yeah. They'd go, oh, you know. But you know, Joe Elliott didn't drink at all on that tour. They all had their little thing going on, but they kept mm. it very, very undercover. Not yeah, because you can't. I mean, that's the thing you have to stress is you can't survive a tour like that. The length of time they were touring, doing a hard show every night, it wrecks your body. I mean, I, I know this is sort of overly serious note, but just the travel kills you. Really let alone does. staying up, taking drugs, and doing the rest of it. You can't do it for more than you can't do it, and it fucks yeah. your head up. And but I guess I must have been 29 at the mm. time, so Steve would probably be 27. So we're still in that era where you feel you can you bounce can, back, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, doesn't take a week, but because it is, it, it's on such another level of private planes and everything is, is to as you said, you have to be on the on schedule, on the dot, yeah. 
Otherwise, you the other thing people say you incur huge fines from local councils and corporations and so on. But what? But you also get you know the dirty looks from the others. The bad, yeah. like I said yeah. to me and Francis after seven weeks. Yeah. Imagine fourteen months. Yeah. And you're the one they're all watching. Yeah. You're the one that can't be. You're the one that's always the late. Yeah. And the drugs yeah. So um, so it would always be stum, and and half his mantra. He'd be chopping them out. He'd be going, "Don't tell the band." Yeah, I'll be going, "No, no, no, I'll just write about it." Many years later. Yeah. Um, no, it was quite, you know, don't tell anybody. It was all very much our private club, and uh, and now he's gone. Yeah. So I'm like, "Fuck." Okay. So I manage because I mean he weighed nothing. I mean the guy was mm. bones, you know. So I managed to pick him up and get it. It was a big double bed. I managed to get him onto one side of the bed. I undid his belt buckles. I'd read all this. <laughs> Stop right there, yeah. <laughs> I undid his belt buckle, undid his top button, yeah. placed him on his side. You're, you're essentially a medical professional. I just read many rock and roll <laughs> yeah. books and how people died. Yeah. So so I'm thinking of Bonzo at this point. Yeah. You know, after he's had, They go, he drank 32 vodkas. I'm like, me yeah. and Steve used to start with 32 yeah. vodkas. Should we just have something? To, I'll have 32 <laughs> vodkas. Good man. I'll, same yeah. for me. You yeah. know. And then you'd have a party. So I get him on the bed. I've got him lying on his side. I've undone his belt buckle. I've taken his shoes off. Undone his collar. I've got a waste paper basket on his side. <laughs> So that if he throws up, at least it'll go into the waste paper yeah. basket. It's daylight outside now. And I'm thinking, well, what do I do? I better off. get in the other side. Oh. So um, so I get into bed. Did you, yeah. did you undo your belt buckle? <laughs> I just, think I did. Just to be on the safe no, side. No, I get into bed. I'm like fucking jeans off, you know, T-shirt and knickers left on and just jump in. So, because uh, also, you know, when you got to sleep, when you got to... You know, so I'm out. I'm fucking gone. And don't forget, he smoked. I smoked. Mm. No one ever opened a window. It must have been just awful <laughs> in this room. And uh, anyway, about it must have been about nine o'clock or something. You know, it's one of those dreadful things where you've been up all night and you've slept for three hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's nothing worse. So. And the phone rings. No mobiles. You know, you yeah, just the hotel the phone. phone in yeah, the room. Yeah, yeah. Phone rings. Phone's on his side of the bed. And he's still got his back to me. <laughs> so I'm lying there and the phone rings. I thought, what do I lean over here? Yeah. Before, and while I'm trying to think about it, his hand goes out and grabs the phone. Still lying inside, grabs the phone. Takes the phone to his ear and he's like, huh? What? Huh? <laughs> Puts the phone down. And I'm thinking, oh God, it's probably for me. You know, I went, and I went, who was it? And he went, ah! <laughs> ah! I went, Steve, calm down. It's only me. It's yeah. only me. He went, he went, what are you doing in my fucking room? I went, Steve, it's not your room. Yeah. It's, it's mine. Yeah. And he went, ah! <laughs> and he jumped out of bed. Well, he was he's, on the bed. His trousers fell down. He <laughs> was still around him. He kind of grabbed his jumper or whatever it was, his jacket, and he fucking ran out the door slammed it and i'm thinking well this has gone bad because yeah. because i haven't had a chance to say we see you passed hadn't you hadn't done the interview <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky for you i was here yeah, i yeah, fucking yeah. undid your belt mate yeah, and put yeah. the waste paper but something what do i do what do i do and, and literally two minutes later a little tap on the door oh, no, I'm 
So I go to the door and I open it. And it's Steve. He goes, mm. I think I left my shoes yeah. in there. <laughs> I went, sorry, mate. Stay there. I went yeah. and got the shoes. I came back and he went, don't tell the band. I oh, went, oh, yeah. No, don't worry, mate. I'm like, yeah. I said, you okay? I said, you, 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 I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And he just, off he went. Yeah. So and who was on the phone? Fuck never knows. found out. Fuck no. Never found out. Fuck no. Probably wow. that time of day. Probably Ross saying you're coming to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Like as long as it wasn't the wife, you know. He's in bed with Steve Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I heard. That, oh no, I won't tell that story. No, oh, no, no, no. Because no, no, it was about it was about two footballers. They were involved in a famous incident where one of them was stabbed by his wife. Because she came home one day and found him in bed with the other footballer. Was one of them David Beckham? No, one of them wasn't David Beckham. And but, and she thought they were having a gay affair. But no, what had happened is they'd picked up some unit, taken her back to who is, whose ever place it was, double teamed her. She'd got up and gone home. And they were both passed out <laughs> until the wife came home. And I they, can't tell you who it was. And they explained. They said, "No, no, we're not." No, no, honestly, we're not. We had a bird. We, yeah. What do you do? How do you get out of that one? <laughs> yeah, we're, you saying that? I'm now thinking of certain stories. I don't think I can tell. Um, yeah. But uh, so I can't tell that story. So well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What the footballer one? Yeah, cut that one out. Yeah, cut yeah. that one out. Yeah, um, that won't go out, will it? We're guaranteed. So what do you think? I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? But do you have a, a particularly fond on tour, on the road? Yes, yeah, so I don't know if I mentioned that I went on the road with Lisa. Oh, Dominic. no, no. <laughs> no, I think no, my favourite. We're you know not doing my, that. You know no, my, fa- no, my favourite one, no. my favourite one, I would say, out of all of them, there were two. Uh, one, which was the first time I ever went to New York, and it was to go with, go with King Diamond. King the, Billy, uh, the occultist, the, the occultist. It was going to be, worshiping. it was going to be on the road with King Billy. We got to New York, me and Ray Palmer, inevitably, mid middle of the night. I suppose Maggie Farron was his PR. <laughs> See, that's induced laughter. You know what's going to happen. She's sent us to this hotel, and Ray's going. I've never heard of this place, and I'll never forget the name of it. It's called the Iroquois Hotel. Oh yeah, no, I stayed there. It's yeah. well known. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We go to the Iroquois Hotel, right? Middle of the night. I think it's Uruquois. Well, the Uruquois. Whatever. And no joke. I think we, we get it's we, Uruquois. There's some. Yeah, I want some to hear you say Uruquois. Uruquois. There's some geezer gives us a key to, to this room. We go up the stairs, and you could literally see the the marks where the lock had been consistently jimmied open by some crowbar <laughs> <laughs> and we and opened the door and it was like it was like opening the door into a room in psycho or something you know just dark when you imagine there's a body in the corner and Reza, well, we can't have this time we can't have this and he's on the f- gets on the phone to Maggie Farron Maggie I don't care if it's midnight do it in, in <laughs> you know we're in the, we're in the Uruquois and it, we we can't stay here. So she transferred to the Gramercy Park, oh, right. which was know, which yeah. was far better. I mean, it was kind of Cent- old, but it was yeah, it was Central well, Park West, yeah. But it was nice, you know. It had like big echoing lift shafts, and and we go off to meet King Billy the next uh, King Diamond. I always call him King Billy. That was always his nickname at Kerrang. For some reason, I can't even remember how he got that nickname, King Billy. Amazing. Maybe that was you his say name. Kerrang. We gave rock yeah. stars weird nicknames. Yeah. 
Surely not. King, and that, was, I mean, that wasn't his, Billy wasn't his name. I, can't, yeah, I only ever called him King. <laughs> <laughs> but we go to meet him the next day, right, King. And we went to the gig, he was playing the gig. We go to, we're walking towards the gig, me and Ray. And there's all these people streaming towards us. The gig's off, the gig's off. We get there, a king, King Billy had lost his voice. And it stayed lost for two weeks, during which time we stayed at the Gramercy Park, <laughs> waiting for it to come really? back. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I so I look, at, I remember that with great fondness. Yeah. Okay, an, an Ozzy Osbourne story. I think we've probably been going for long enough, so maybe we'll end it on this. We'll see. Yes. But I remember uh, you saying that reminds me of the amount of times I was on the road with Ozzy. And the gig would be cancelled. There'd always be some <laughs> excuse. But the main reason was he didn't come out of his room. Really? Oh, okay. yeah, 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 loads yeah. of times. One time with Ray Palmer, funny <laughs> enough, you mentioned Ray. And, um, and always when Sharon wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So this particular... Well, you, mean, you were saying when Sharon was there, Ozzy would usually make the gig. When Sharon was yeah, there, yeah. Ozzy could be... No surprises. The... Ozzy could be... Yeah. on the stage. <laughs> yeah. Do like her dad with, with yeah. did with yeah. Jean Vincent. Yeah, just pro tape. Gaffer tape, tape around <laughs> into the mic. Go crazy! Zach Wild nudging him in the ribs. <laughs> Sing! Oh, finish with my... So, um, we're, we're in America. I don't, don't know, I don't know fucking where, but it, it, Sharon's not there. She's actually in England. And the gig was... I think he'd done the gig. It was a day off, something. But he's like, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, nothing. <laughs> You're on the road. You know, he goes, come to my room. I went, okay. <laughs> so uh, I go there and he literally, he's just been out that day and he's bought a new bong. A bong. You know <laughs> yeah. what a bong is? I know what a bong is. I hadn't smoked a bong since like 1974 <laughs> yeah. or something. This is the early 90s. And I'm like, you bought a bong? He goes, oh, oh yeah, fuck you, though. <laughs> and he pulled a huge yeah, like, but bin liner, yeah, enormous yeah. like bin liner full of weed, right? <laughs> so he stacks up the bong, lights it, and, it, and, I, and I, I just start coughing. I mean, it's just too much, you know, it's coming out of my ears. It's like the start of Sweet Leaf. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you yeah. know it's good, mate. Yeah. Go on, mate. With the lighter. I, I cannot stop coughing. So he goes, you need a brandy. That will chill you out. So he gets me this brandy. So always with these people, the remedy is always <laughs> like something far worse, isn't it? It's like, you've overdosed on heroin. What you need is a shot of speed. <laughs> you know, that'll bring you around. But that was the era for those yeah. 70s and 80s rock stars. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you were... Uh, I, like you've got smallpox. You've got smallpox. What you need is malaria. Because it <laughs> counterbalances... I remember being on the road with Thin Lizzy and actually another time with Hawkwind but I just got <laughs> oh, ill and they went oh no don't worry and I got taken into a room and they cut out a couple of huge rails of <laughs> yeah. coke and a large glass of Jack Daniels yeah. there you go yeah. now you feel better yeah. except you don't you know. <laughs> so he goes you need a brandy so he has this really expensive brandy he pours it into like a pint glass so I'm, I'm having a sip <laughs> and he goes oh I can see you're going you need some of this and he Suddenly, he's now got a big bag of cocaine. So, inevitably, this goes on. It's now two in the morning. We are talking utter bollocks. But he's so funny. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he was showing me a video, actually, of this groupie 
this tape <laughs> that this group did sent to a famous guitarist who I can't say the name of, who'd given it to Ozzy to make him laugh. Mm. The guitarist's name was Steve. Um, <laughs> And this group is blowing... And then he, his belt buckle was slightly undone. <laughs> no, it wasn't Steve Clark. Oh, okay, so um, we've narrowed it down. She's blowing ping pong balls out of her fanny. Yeah. And she's going... Am I oh, a, that video. Uh, am I a clever girl, Steve? Yeah. Am I a clever girl, Steve? And I was going, you're all right for me, darling. <laughs> you have me fucking eye out. You know. So we're smoking and drinking and starting to laugh, laugh, laugh. And we've reached that kind of delirium where yeah, yeah. who knows what's being said. And suddenly he goes, um, do you know what? You're fucking right. I went, what? I'm thinking, what? I'm, what? I'm right. What am I right about? I, I'm never right about anything. Yeah, yeah. He went, I'm going to fucking ring her and tell her now. <laughs> I went, what? what? Ring who? And Sharon, you're fucking right. I need a proper fucking manager. <laughs> I went, don't fucking say that. He said, you just fucking said it and you're fucking right. I'm ringing her now to tell her. I'm going, please don't do that. Please don't do that. He picks up the phone. He dials it. Hello, Sharon. He goes, I'm sitting here with fucking Mick Wall. (laughs) And I was saying to him and he said to me, and I agree with him. I'm going, no, no. And he goes, what I need's a proper fucking manager, not my fucking wife managing me. I need like a fucking Peter Minch. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, fuck's sake, shut the fuck. <laughs> and then he suddenly goes, what? What? Oh, uh, uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Uh, 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 all right then. All right. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye. I went, what did she say? And he goes, she says she wants a fucking divorce. <laughs> I'm going, oh. ring her back. Ring her back. Say, no, just a misunderstanding. Oh, of nah, fucker, you're right. You're yeah. right. We don't fuck it. I'm like, no, I'm not right. Yeah, Stop yeah. quoting me. You know. But you can imagine how many times he's rung her to tell her some <laughs> mad shit. The next time I saw her, I literally said... By the it way, wasn't me. Basically, it wasn't me. You can kill him. Yeah, don't yeah. kill me. Don't kill yeah. me. And she's like, no. He's like that with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, are we done? Uh, that was a splendid story we, to end on. We I have think. more Very stories, good. but maybe we'll do a part we, two to this. Yeah, we should, we should do f- uh, on the road at festivals. Because <sighs> they're just even worse. Okay. All right, hope you enjoyed the positive. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you happen to listen to it. For full episode show notes, visit nofilter.media forward slash get your rocks off. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.